If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. I'm going to read a different translation probably you're used to, but it's one I really like for this verse. It says, he, referring to Jesus, canceled the debt, canceled the debt, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. That might be a little different than your translation, but that's actually a, working, a pretty good working understanding of that scripture, that Jesus himself canceled the debt that you and I would have to pay. Listen, there is a wage to sin. The wages of sin, the Bible says, are death. That in ourselves, we can't do anything to escape the punishment, the pain of sin. It is likely going to happen if we don't do something to fix ourselves. And of our own nature, we can't do anything because we're, well, we're lost and we're dying in our own self if we're just left to our own efforts. But Jesus came along and he said, the Bible says that he canceled the debt, which listed all the rules that we were to follow, that we failed to follow. He took away the record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. So let me help you understand why we celebrate this thing called Good Friday. It's a Good Friday because Colossians 2.14 is very, very real and true. That we serve a Jesus, a God who came, physical form. He's God in heaven, put on physical flesh, just like you and I, came to this earth to pay a debt. Not that he was ransoming us from God, but he was paying off what would have been our debt, what would have been our payment had we been left to our sins. He actually won the victory. It's a better way to say the phrase it, I think, that he won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And in winning the victory, he took all the rules that we couldn't fulfill on our own. Every rule that we failed to fulfill, every moment we failed to be at our best, every time that we failed our neighbor, our loved one, our boss, our spouse, our kids, every moment of every failure in our life, he took it. It says here that he nailed it to the cross and he threw away the record. Listen, it's a good Friday because what's represented at that cross, even before the resurrection, we'll talk about the resurrection on Sunday, but even before the resurrection, if it had just been the cross, if he had just been buried and never risen because he came as our big theological word, propitiation, it says that he took on that rule book that we could never figure out how to live under. He took that rule book, nailed it to the cross and threw it away. It is no more that we don't have to live under the old strictures of the old dead law that we live new a new life in Christ Jesus everything you think you owe everything you think you owe to God is gone everything every record that you owe another person is gone every debt that could be paid by your actions is gone it is laid it is nailed at the cross today we celebrate the outcome of Jesus dying on the cross being buried for three days and raising again. We'll celebrate that here in just a moment. But some of us don't get the full picture, man. We don't, we don't get the idea of what it really was to have Jesus die on the cross. We've been taught wrong. We've, we've had different Bible teachers and theologians tell us that we're just sinners saved by grace. And we're hoping that by that good grace of God that we'll find heaven as our home when this life is over. But the fact is you are not an old sinner saved by grace. You were an old sinner. You have been saved by grace. But the Bible says that you're now a new creation. Even in the verse that we read in Colossians, it says that old rule book that you were trying to follow, that old religious practice and standard has now been nailed to the cross. It is no more. It is as dead as Jesus is. And we should thank God for it. The example I'd like to give is many of us don't get a full picture because 
Well, we don't understand where to look. We don't understand where to, where to put our focus. It'd be like if we took a great family vacation, my wife and I, we're missing our vacation time. Man, we're ready to go. I know m- many of you are probably sick of being locked up in that house, ready to get out and go do something fun. I can't wait for vacation to come this year. We're ready for our vacation time, our time at the beach. But you know, we can spend time at the beach. We could, we could plan a great getaway to Hawaii. We could be on those crystal white sand beaches could get a room right butt up next to the beach. And guess what? If you stay in your room and just stare at a picture of the beach, it's not like being at the beach. But too many of us, that's how we connect with this idea of our redemption at the cross. We come to this great gift that Jesus has given us, and rather than look directly at the cross for what it's worth, we look at pictures and icons and Christian works of art of what the cross is supposed to symbolize, rather than understanding we've been smack dab in the middle, in the face of the cross of Christ, and we can't recognize the power that's in it. It's actually why the Bible says there will be some who have a form of godliness but they will deny the power thereof because they're denying the power not just of the Holy Spirit, they're denying the power of the cross to rid you of your past dead life, to rid you of the rules and stricture that you thought you had to live under, to rid you of the shame and guilt every time that you failed him, to rid you of the life that you could by no means of your own cultivate enough enough gumption to to actually fix your broken situation. See, the reality is we have to come to an understanding that at the cross and on Good Friday, there are two levels of forgiveness that happen. The first level of forgiveness is forgiveness from God. The second level of forgiveness is forgiveness from ourselves. The struggle today is not the ability to understand that God forgives, but it's our capacity to believe in his love, his grace, his mercy, and to actually receive his goodness. There are all too many people that are confident enough that God forgives, just not them. There are all too many people that are confident enough that God can extend mercy, just not to them. There are all too many people in this world that believe that God loves, but they're not sure that he loves them. Listen, we've got to come to a place where we understand the forgiveness and the love of God that was shed abroad is shed abroad deeply. It's far-reaching. It encompasses everyone, even you, from the Pope to a pedophile. God's love extends to every single person. I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care how much you've messed up. I don't care who you've hurt. The reality is when Jesus says it was finished at the cross, he meant the payment for your sin was now paid and no longer do we have to live under the banner of shame of sin. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 7 and verse 37 through verse 48. I'm going to run through it very quickly. It says, now one of the Pharisees, one of the Pharisees spoke to Jesus at dinner. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and he was reclining at the table. And a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. Pharisees are just another word for good religious people. In fact, maybe too religious. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, a very expensive item, an item that you wouldn't waste. And then she wiped, I'm sorry, uh, uh, she began to wipe his feet with her her hair. And then she wiped uh, them with her tears. 
She kissed and poured the perfume all over his feet. And the Pharisees who had invited Jesus saw this. And they said to himself, if this man was a prophet, if he was any kind of real religious person, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she's a sinner. Verse 40, Jesus answered him. Now this guy thought this to himself and maybe spoke a few of these words, but we understand that Jesus overheard the conversations of his heart, overheard what was rumbling in the background. Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, Simon said, two men owed money to a money lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. Neither of them had the money to pay the man back. Jesus talks about the idea of the debt being forgiven. And then he asks Simon, who do you think, who do you think would love more? Who do you think would love the debt collector more after their debts have been forgiven? And Simon answered Jesus, if you're looking in your Bibles, verse 33, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Jesus answered him, you have judged correctly. Verse 44, uh, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't offer me any water for my feet, which was their custom. But, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Jesus says to him again, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. A kiss was a holy greeting that you would greet one another, especially someone that you respected. Verse 46, you didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. This woman was a sinner. This woman had a past. In fact, such a past that every person in the village knew about her past. The religious leaders set Jesus up. They invited him to the home to eat, to be part of the evening meal. They knew that if this woman got wind, she might even find their way to the table. They didn't block her entry from the house. They didn't tell her to go elsewhere. They let her in with her little trinkets. She laid herself down in front of the feet of Jesus and started to pour perfume on his feet and cry over his feet and wash his feet with her hair. The custom was because it was so dirty and dingy and you wore sandals that when you entered someone's house, you would at least give them the opportunity to wash their feet and maybe even have a servant do it for them. And if they'd been on a long day's travel to kind of get rid of the stink of the day, you might pour a little oil on their head to help them freshen up. This woman took all of these practices these normal customs. And she felt too low to even approach Jesus from the head down. So she went to his feet and she poured her tears over him and she anointed his feet with an expensive perfume and she wiped it away with her very own hair. He looked to the religious elite and said, you offered me none of the common customs. Yet this woman who has sinned much in your eyes, this woman who is broken and not worthy in your eyes, this woman who you didn't think lived up to the standard it today, because of her sacrifice, her sins are forgiven. See, both people in the house should have been equally grateful. 
In fact, the illustration that Jesus gave of one having a lump sum that was much greater than the other being forgiven, what he's saying simply is this woman might have sinned a lot, but guess what? She's been forgiven of so very much. And you have sins around your neck and you don't even understand the great gift that's being offered through forgiveness. They both had reason to rejoice that Jesus was in that home, but one was looking to judge while the other understood the true measure of forgiveness. Today, I've got to ask you the question, when you look at the cross, is it just a religious icon? When you look at a cross, does it just symbolize church and Christianity and the organized religion that follows? Or when you look at the cross, do you understand the deep-seated forgiveness that lays in those two pieces of wood? Do you understand that those, those three nails signify how far God would go to forgive you? Do you understand that that crown of thorns that pierced his Hebrew brow, that cut through his skull, that he did that to forgive you? Do you understand that the lashes that he took on his back were all there in place to forgive you? Let me help you. You can't come to God with any real need in your life if you don't understand that he loves you enough to have forgiven you. You can't come to God in full assurance knowing that he'll hear your prayer if you don't understand that he would forgive you of your deepest, of your darkest sin and secret. We all have those deep hidden sins. See, COVID-19 is an easy thing to deal with because it's out in the open. It's out in the open. We understand it. We might be fearful of it, but it's easy, right? Everybody's experiencing it together. But some of you are trapped in your house and because you can't go to work or you can't get involved with other practices that usually get your mind off of it, now you're stuck living with you. And when you live with you, you recognize the amount of failure. You recognize the amount of sin. You recognize the amount of issue that hangs around your neck. And you are waiting and hoping for that moment just to get out the door so you can fill your mind with something else. Let me help you. You don't need to fill your mind with anything but Jesus. You don't have to fill your mind with anything other than images of the cross. Why? Because at the cross is where true forgiveness comes. The second thing that we're forgiven of is to forgive ourselves. Forgiving yourself is part of the problem. See, sometimes we're even ready to go to the cross and say, Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness. But the moment that we come back to old behavior patterns, the moment that we fall into the snare, into the trap that the enemy has set before us every single time over and over again, the moment we come back to habitual behaviors that we know aren't godly, we, we, so, we so come against ourselves. We come against ourselves and we, and we line ourselves up with our past failures and say, look, you haven't changed. Look, you're no different. You keep falling into the same trap, into the same entrapment of sin. While some of that might be true, the fact is that the cross is where you lay down forgiveness every single time it happens. There are people in this world that because of their addictive behavior, they have hurt themselves. They have hurt their families. They have hurt those closest to them and they can't seem to let go. And so they fall prey back into that, that addictive uh, pattern again and again. Why? It's because they can't forgive themselves. A conversation recently with an individual online who said, I just can't get past this addiction. And I had to ask the individual, have you forgiven yourself? Have you said to yourself, have you boldly proclaimed this very simple concept that at the cross, I am forgiven? Not just that Jesus forgave you, but that you can forgive you. One of the great mysteries of Good Friday is the idea that we would be released from the past 
present and future sin in our life, that we can humbly go to the cross and say, Jesus, because I accept the gift of the pain that you suffered on the cross, I know I'm forgiven and I forgive myself. God, I know you forgive me, but in this moment, I forgive myself. This is why Colossians 2.14 is so powerful when it comes to the imagery of the, of the cross. He canceled the debt, which listed all the rules we, fought, we failed to follow. He took away the record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. Understand what that scripture is saying in light of you forgiving you. Sure, Jesus forgives you at the cross, but look at the word specifically. He took away the record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. Every time you fall prey to the old life, to the old dead you, and you try to pick up a man who's already been dead and nailed to the cross, every time you do that, you are running back to the cross of Christ and saying, Jesus, I have to take what you paid the price for. I have to take it off of there and take it back on myself. I have to take what you paid the price for. God, I have to take it back off and start to re-identify with it. How weird would it be if we had a good old Aunt Millie and she passed away? We have a funeral for her. And the next day, because you just can't seem to get around her memory, you just can't seem to get away from, from who she was, you go and dig up that dead body and put it in your kitchen and try to have tea with it. You'd look pretty foolish. In fact, people might say you're pretty sick. The reality is so many of us do this when we can't forgive ourselves. We go back to the gravesite. We dig up somebody who's dead, crucified at the cross. We bring back the old rule book. We bring back our old failures and we try to reanimate it, sit next to it and identify with it. And Jesus is saying, that's not the you that I know anymore. That's not the you that I see in front of me anymore. That's not the you that I bled and died for anymore. That old man is dead. This is why it's such a good Friday. Not just because Jesus took on our sin and our shame and our pain. Not just because he took on our poverty and our weakness and our, and our frailty, but because he brought us to a place where we could finally be made right in the eyes of God and then be made right in our, in our own eyes. The fact of the matter is the entirety of the New Testament gospel is this, that God came to set the world to right and he came to do it first through you. He can't set the world to right if he can't set you to right. So today we celebrate, we're thankful we're humbled by the idea that Jesus set us to right. And the only way to solidify this in my mind is through communion. That we take the bread, that we take the wine, the juice, the whatever you have in front of you. That we take it as a symbol of his body and his blood. That we take it understanding that we have been made new, that we are forgiven. And, and in that moment, you can forgive yourself of all of your past issues, all of your past brokenness, all of your past hangups. You can forgive yourself and say, Jesus, I am new. I am new, not just in your sight, but in my sight. Today, I want to take communion with you. And Lori's going to come up and bring the elements with her. And we're going to take communion. Go ahead and grab your stuff. We're going to take communion as a family, scattered all throughout the Quad Cities in the Midwest. We're going to take communion as a family. Why? Because it's so vitally important what God showed us that he did in these elements. Now, we've got the little fish crackers and the little juice. I don't know what you've got where you're at. But this little cracker is a symbol of the body that was broken. Jesus was broken primarily. His body was broken for our healing. Scripture is very specific about that. But the whole action encompasses the concept of, forgive, of forgiveness. The grape juice, the juice, whatever you have is liquid that you're taking today. 
is a symbol of the blood of Jesus that ran down that cross, that pulled on that hill called Golgotha, that that blood that ran so deep and so red into that Middle East sand. That blood paved the way for us to not only be forgiven from God on high, but to forgive ourselves. So that we can take this in understanding that Jesus came to heal us and to make us whole because his body was broken. And that 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 blood, the Bible is very clear, it says the, the life or the power of the life is in the blood and that we can take that reminiscent drink of the blood and understand that we are made new in this action of communion. So take this believing that today's your day of forgiveness, not just from the cross, not just from the Son of God, not just from God who is enthroned on high, but you can forgive yourself. That today you can walk through Good Friday being a brand new person because everything that was broken is made whole. Everything that was in pieces and tattered and torn is made new. And that through this drink and through this blood, that it's not just a symbol, but it's a fact. It's a true fact that you're welcomed into the family of God, that you're a joint heir with Jesus, that all the promises that he laid up for heaven are yours, they're now at your disposal, that today you can be assured that COVID-18 or COVID whatever isn't coming towards your house. Why? Because the blood of Jesus.